Audiobook. Audiobook release. Podcast. Authors. Narrators. Interviews. Industry. News. Reviews. Sponsored by eAudioProductions.com. Welcome to the Audiobook Release Podcast. A show for audiobook lovers. Stay tuned as we share the latest news from the audiobook industry. We interview established and upcoming authors. We talk with popular narrators and review a wide range of audiobooks. Brought to you by eAudioProductions.com. Audiobook productions, podcast editing, music for media, voiceovers, song productions and more. Fantastical creatures, haunted forests, and tales of terror await readers in this collection of 13 delightfully spooky yarns. Readers will encounter mysterious beings in historical settings with Celtic mythology woven in seamlessly with the supernatural. Each story transports readers into a world of fantasy and intrigue. Exploring the mysterious and the macabre. Open the pages and step into a magical dimension of nail-biting suspense, the unexplainable and unnatural, and doors that best remain locked. The Dreadful Call and Other Stories of the Supernatural and Suspense Audiobook Written by John Ring Narrated by Tom Campbell Available on your favorite audiobook platform. Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Audiobook Release Podcast. I'm Matt Rafferty. And I'm Leah Rafferty. Today our guest is John Ring, author of The Dreadful Call and the Other Stories of the Supernatural and Suspense. Before we get into our interview with John, here's a short sample of the audiobook version of The Dreadful Call. The door was open again. He knew he had shut it just this morning, and in fact had checked it twice just to ensure that he had done so. But there it was, gaping widely, maddeningly halfway open, just like the last time he had discovered it ajar. The disorganized shelves inside were filled with the odds and ends from a lifetime not his own, barely visible in the poor lighting from the storage room's curtained window. He went over to the offending portal, looking inside tentatively. What he expected to see within the storeroom's gloomy interior, he did not know. It wasn't like someone would jump out from the shadowy confines to scare him on a lark, he thought wryly. He closed the door, just like he had done the day earlier, and like each time in the preceding few weeks he had found it in that particular state. The door and its accompanying room had been a mystery to him from the start. Ever since he had first inherited the house after his great-uncle had passed away unexpectedly. He had barely known the estranged man, his relative not the sort of person to involve himself in family affairs. What little he knew of him had come from his mother's sketchy knowledge on the topic, that he was his grandmother's older brother, his name was Thomas Graham, and he had lived to the ripe old age of ninety-six. He had left home at an early age, joining the Navy and serving with distinction before settling down with his new wife. He had met her while on holiday in Scotland, and after a brief but torrid courtship, they married. Shortly thereafter, he was reposted to Mississippi, where the happy couple had moved into an antique manor in the countryside there. When it came time for his reassignment, he had retired his post instead, choosing to stay in the southern state. The rustic mansion was his home for the remainder of his life, 
even after his wife and what was to be the first of his progeny, both tragically died during childbirth. The very same house that now he, his estranged relative Liam Hastain, had taken up temporary residence in. It was a glorious relic from the 1850s, done in the exceptional eclectic style of architecture made from blending both the Greek revival method with the Gothic and Italianate styles into a seamlessly innovative structure, with spacious consideration inside with its two cavernous main floors and 13 luxurious bedrooms. Wow, that sounds great. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and where were you raised? So I grew up here in Montana. I was actually born in Georgia, but uh, my family moved up here when I was five years old and I've lived in Montana ever since. So tell us a little bit about Montana. Well, compared to other places, everything's very spread apart here. So you'll have long stretches with uh, absolutely no houses or anything like that. You won't even see anything but the highway. It's a Pretty much is a sign that mankind's even been there. And I find that's really strange when I visit other places because everything seems very congested and explored. Sure. Right. Do you live on a ranch? No, nope. I live in one of the bigger towns. I live in Helena. I've lived in some of the smaller towns in my life before, but nope, I'm not a rancher. So what did you like doing when you were growing up? Anything related to writing? Yeah, I wrote when I was younger, just, you know, little stories I'd come up with in my head and stuff like that. And a lot of my teachers kind of supported that sort of thing. I never really thought it would uh, go anywhere, however, that's for sure. And how did you end up writing this book? Well, so that's kind of almost a sad story unto itself. So when my father died, he had left a lot of things in his life undone. And I kind of realized if I ever did want to do something like this, I should probably do it now before something like that happened to me. Wow. Yeah. Mm hmm. So you don't want to have a regret of not writing the book. Right. Have you been thinking of this book for a long time, like the book that I've been thinking about writing, or did it just all of a sudden come to you? It kind of came to me. I've always enjoyed like lots of other uh, people's short stories and stuff like that. But like a lot of people, I kind of got hung up on the idea of, you know, what everybody wants nowadays is the novel and you have to have a novel to ever do a book or anything like that. And with attempt after attempt, I found out it was just something that I would either lose interest in or um, just wasn't able to complete thoroughly in the fashion that I felt was be, going to be worthwhile. But then I kind of realized with short stories, I could finish a thought all the way out and it kind of got to the point quicker. I love short stories myself and because of that reason. And then if you do enough short stories, it'll make a book eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's wonderful. So if I say something about chicken noodle soup, obviously your book is not chicken noodle soup or like that, but I'm just saying short stories. Is that okay if I say that to you? Sure, that's fine. Okay. Well, look at the success of chicken noodle soup. People do like to be able to pick up a book, read it, a short chapter, and then come back later. So I think um, short stories is, are wonderful. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of feedback from people who's picked up the book from me. And they've always said, it's like, I really like your that is short stories because I can read a story, be done in an evening in one sitting, and then um, be able to think about it. And then the next day I can pick it up or whenever I have a chance again to pick up the book and read another one. And I don't have to remember where I was at. So Wonderful. Yes. And easy to share with a friend too. You have to read chapter two of this book. <laughs> it is right up your alley. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That part's really nice with people when I'm talking to them. I'm like, oh, which story did you like? And of course they tell me which story they have. When, you know, we chat about it. But even if they haven't read the entire book, they can still chat me with whatever stories that they've read so far. So, Right. 
When you began the process, did you know that there would be 13 stories? No, um, I could actually thank a buddy of mine for that. So I was kind of really hemming and hawing on that idea. And uh, I had several different numbers in mind because there's kind of like a Celtic theme throughout the book. And so I wanted it to be one of the numbers that are also kind of sacred in like uh, Celtic numerology. Mm. But I couldn't figure out which one. He's like, well, John, you're doing kind of like a lot of supernatural and horror. You should probably just do 13. And I'm like, well, that is one of the numbers mm. that, huh, that the Celtic had sacred. Good so that kind of works, I guess. Yes. Good reason to tell people what you're up to. Yeah, so that's a great idea, sharing sharing the process with a friend who helped you out with... Uh... Oh, yeah. My stories before anybody else gets to see them in print or anything else uh, or hear them, you know, on the Audible book or anything like that, they go through rounds with lots of other people. I want to make sure that whatever I'm putting out is cohesive and works as a story before, you know, anyone else gets hold of it. And it takes feedback from other people to kind of catch all that stuff. Sure. Well, what was the most challenging aspect of writing this book? That is a very good question. You know, one of the most challenging things I actually found was the editing process. That was, I was a little new to me and I wasn't sure exactly how that was supposed to work. Um, having gone through it now, I kind of realized how it all works and everything. And that, so with my next books, that should be a lot easier, but actually it was really challenging. And then also like formatting was also hard for me. For the writing itself, I actually find that part fairly easy, which I'm very thankful for. Yes. <laughs> After hearing uh bunch of other people have kind of problems with that. I, I don't see I have a problem with that part, especially with short stories. Oh, what was your process of writing? Well, so I will, as I have ideas throughout my day when I'm, you know, going to work or doing whatever, I'll have different ideas. And so I take down, put down that idea, write a little bit out of it, and then kind of let it sit. And then I might have more ideas to add to it later until it finally fleshes out into a complete story. Oh, good. Okay. That's usually how most of my stories end up coming out. Um, every once in a while when I'm writing, though, one kind of takes on a life of its own, and I end up something very different than I envisioned in the first place. But I actually like a lot of those stories. The open door was kind of that way, and how it ended up I thought was great. So it's just changing, and as you write it, things are going a different way than you thought? Yeah, I thought it was going to go a completely different way, and then what I ended up with was very different from the initial idea, but... That being said, what was finally ended up with ended up being better than my initial thought. So, so that was fine. <laughs> well, did you do any research to write this book? Yeah, I did do a lot of research, uh, especially about Celtic mythology and stuff like that, because there's a lot of those. And I wanted that to be very uh, realistic. So there was a lot of research I did about Celtic mythology, that sort of thing. Uh, the myths, the tales of like the of Scotland and Ireland and all that sort of thing. There's actually surprisingly few books written about that, um, especially since as a people, the Scottish and Irish were, um, especially the Celtics, were constantly under attack by outside forces. And so a lot of their culture and uh, history has been lost. But um, you can find a lot about it. It's really, really interesting when you delve into it. Right. Sounds like a great trip. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. Kind of a trip, learning all these new things about stuff. And then a lot of it, as I was reading, I'm like, you know what? This is really interesting. It can kind of really help. It kind of helps stir up like ideas, I guess, of different ideas about a lot of, lot of different things, putting them in other settings, historical settings, or like modern day settings, I suppose. Your book is called The Dreadful Call and Other Stories of Supernatural and Suspense. 
How did you decide on that title? That was a lot of work. The The second part was very easy because I knew it was going to have some stories with suspense and some stories with the supernatural. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd say 90% of the stories have to do with the supernatural and there's suspense, but suspense is always a part of like at the core of a good horror story, I always find, you know, kind of building up that terror until it finally delivers. So I always thought that was kind of good to go in there. The first part of it, that one's for the title story in the book, the longest story in the book, which is the very last story in the book. It's somewhat longer than all the other stories. I think in the Audible book, it almost ended up being two hours long, as opposed to most of the rest are 30 minutes to one hour for those chapters. So you mentioned when you were younger, you did enjoy writing, and then unfortunately about your father's passing. But what made you actually write the book? I mean, you could have still thought, okay, I'm going to do that. And I know you said about you didn't want to have any regrets that you didn't do anything. But still, to actually write a book and get it published, that takes a lot of courage and a lot of work. What made you do that? Was it still your father's legacy? You know, that was kind of the Kickstarter for it to got me because I had taken kind of a hiatus from writing for a while because I'd written things when I was like in my early 20s and stuff like that. And, you know, none of it just never seemed good enough to publish. I just didn't like it personally. Mm-hmm. So if the writer doesn't like it, I figure you know, no one else is going to like it. So, But that's part of the process, right? Writing and figuring out your style and your voice. Right. And so I guess it was just finally just being like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I just, I have to do it. And that just is going to take some work and I'm going to have to find time in order to do it. Because that's always, you know, the biggest problem everybody has. I mean, the rest of my life doesn't stop because I want to write all of a sudden. (laughs) I'm still a husband and a a father of kids. And as well as like, I have my own business that I run and I have to be there like all the time. So really my writing time came down to like an hour before I'd go to bed a lot of time. Wow. It was just do it over and over again until it came out. So Yeah, that's pretty good because you had to be very tired. <laughs> yeah, there were certain days it didn't feel like doing it. But then I was just like, you know what we're going to do today? Let's just do 100 words. 100 words and then you can be done. And it was like, and sometimes the words were a bit of a slog. But then there was other times it's like, well, we're going to do 100 words. And then 500 words later, I was like, well, that was pretty good. I didn't expect that. Well, excellent. So you were determined and you did it. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Well, thanks. Appreciate that. So The Dreadful Call is also available on audiobook, which was produced by E-Audio Productions, and it's available now on Audible. So let's talk a little bit about the audiobook version of The Dreadful Call. So it was edited and mixed and mastered by E-Audio Productions. What was that process like? That was pretty interesting. Uh, I had no clue going into that what was um, going to happen at all. And so actually those people really laid everything out for me, made it extremely simple for me. So I am eternally grateful to them. They did an amazing job. They took what could have been a very awkward and totally process. I completely couldn't ever hope to understand or what to do. And they made it very simple and yeah, they're just wonderful. Did you get to choose the voice of the book? I did. My wife and I, we, went through voice after voice on it and we kept coming back to Tom Campbell. Uh, his voice was just, I felt perfect for the voice of my stories. He does a good job uh, during the parts where he's creepy, sounding really kind of creepy <laughs> and at the same time, like really strong baritone. So it's just, now when I write, I actually, when I write, I'm like, 
this is going to sound so much better when Tom oh, says it. That's, <laughs> that's excellent. Well, it must have been fun to listen to all the voices. And then when you did find Tom, it must have been like pretty thrilling. Like, wow, this is really going to work. Oh, yeah. They were really nice about it. They actually let me submit some of the stories so he could read him and the other finalists, I guess is the best way to say it, um, to read through. And then we listened to all of them. And then with him, it was just like. You knew it. Yeah. That's that's no the guy. question. That's, that's great. Neat. And then what was it like to hear the entire book when you actually got a completed version of the entire book? That was pretty amazing. It was uh, it was exactly the same feeling I got when I first got the printed volume in my hand. I was like, wow, man, this is <laughs> real. This really happened. <laughs> oh. Yeah, look what it is. Right. And now anybody who has Audible can listen to it. Yeah. And I think that's great because a lot of people, you know, I think. I like the written word. I still read a lot and stuff like this. I do understand that a lot of people just either one don't have the time in their daily schedules or stuff like this. So listening to audible books is, I think it's the way of the future, honestly, for mm-hmm. for materials like this. Mm-hmm. So I knew after uh, getting it down here, I was like, I knew I wanted an audible version of it. So I'm glad that was able to happen. Right. So many of us spend a lot of time in the car, whether you're in Montana driving down a lonely road or whether you're sitting in traffic in the city. I mean, many of us spend a lot of time in, in the car. Yeah. And one thing I really didn't expect would either. It's just, it's, it's hard to describe. When you hear your own words and thoughts like written or said aloud by someone else, it was just, it was just, it just blew me away. I bet. Sorry. Yeah. And what a defining moment in your life, I would think. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. I would think that it's it's almost like writing a play and seeing people act it out that you you know what's coming up but you someone else is saying it very cool. Oh yeah, I agree. So what do you like to do when you aren't writing? I like hiking a lot. I'm in a good state for that. My sons like doing it with me as well. Oh, that's nice. So that's uh something we can share together and it's really nice. I also have a, a really big interest besides just like reading. I read a ton. But um, besides that, so I own uh, right here in Helena, uh, the game shop in town. And so it's like the board game shop. And so another thing when I was growing up, me and my brothers constantly played board games and stuff like this. I never thought I'd actually own a game shop either. But that's why. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's a little different. It's a little out there. But there ended up being a demand for it here in Helena. And so we, after we saw business after business fail, we started our own and ours kind of took off. So now we both do it full time, which is also kind of another dream come true. Wow. So. Yeah, this sounds. <laughs> Congratulations. Sounds that is yes. great. Life is Thanks. good. <laughs> yeah, you are an achiever. Yeah. Everything's panning out. I, I can't complain. I'm going to be honest. That's wonderful. So, John, what do you think is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Best piece of advice, huh? Mm-hmm. That's a hard one. I've been given a lot of advice. You know, I had a friend who always said like something above me uh, all all the time, the same thing to me. And that one always kind of stuck through me throughout my entire life. And that one's rise above because I think a lot of people kind of get bogged down in their own garbage sometimes, for lack of a better word. So, you know, if you rise above that and you try to secede and constantly strive to make yourself better, you end up being happier is what I found out. And so... I don't know. I guess that's kind of my motto, I suppose. Well, it certainly has worked in your life. So that friend said the right thing to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty smart guy. He took his own advice. Yeah, good, good. (laughs) And it's good for all of us to hear because that is true. It is Um, We all, especially right right now when it's becoming winter, (laughs) you can get down and about everything. So I think that's good news uh, or good advice. So thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate that advice. Yeah, no problem. And John, what about advice for aspiring writers? 
Well, you know, the big one I kind of touched on earlier is, you know what? Sometimes you have to make yourself do it even when you don't want to do it. And I think that that is the best advice and also the hardest advice for people to follow. Because I find a lot of people, it's like, man, I'd love to write. I'd love to do what you did here. I'm like, all you got to do is sit down and make yourself write. And that's the hard part is forcing yourself to be like, we can't take time off. This has to happen. I have to follow through on it today. And you kind of train yourself. So after a while, you know, it was harder in the beginning. After a while, it was like, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. So it became a it habit. Okay. Yeah, it became habit. And it's like, well, that's what I'm doing tonight. So, and so on and so forth. But I always have people ask me that they'll come in my shop um, and they'll be like, yeah, that's so cool. You wrote a book. And then, man, I'd love to do that. And I was like, well, do it, man. It'd be great. Just go ahead and do it. But you got to make yourself right. That's the hardest part. I think that's nice also how you're encouraging people. Some people, you know, become, oh, I don't know. That's all right. You don't need to do it. Or, you know, this is my thing or something like that. So I think it's nice how you're encouraging others. I always feel it's like I had a lot of people encourage me because, well, I'll be honest, I didn't tell a whole lot of people in the beginning because I didn't want to be one of those people who were like, yeah, I'm writing a book, you know, but I've never wrote one before. So we'll see if this happens or not. Until I actually finished, I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to tell anybody. So I can kind of understand where people come from too, because there's a lot of doubt on yourself. It's like, can I do this? Could I write something? Wow, that's a, there's some stiff competition out there for like people who are already mm-hmm. good. So, but honestly, until you do it, you just you just don't know. So, and John, what's next for you? So the next thing I'm doing is I was writing all this past year at the same time we were kind of getting the Audible book ready and everything. I was still writing for a second book. It's going to be a second book of short stories. That's what I like and what I'm probably going to continue to write for a while. And so I want to do like a second kind of companion volume for to kind of go along with this one that came out. So I've been working on that, kind of going before. Um, all the base writing's done on it. I'm kind of on the editing process right now. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Maybe another 13 chapters. Yep. 13 is, uh, I guess, the lucky number for my books. So but that's what I did. <laughs> 13 <laughs> stories again. So great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, John, it was great having you on the audiobook release podcast. And I just like to remind the listeners that you can get the dreadful call and other stories of the supernatural and suspense. It's available on audiobook and you can get it on Audible. So, John, thank you so much for being here. Um, we appreciate that you took the time to speak with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes. And once again, congratulations on all. Thank you, you for listening to the Audible Release Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you'll never miss an episode. We value your opinion, so feel free to post a rating or review. For feedback, inquiries, and more about our audiobook production and publishing services, visit www.audiobookrelease.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Audiobook Release Podcast. Brought to you by eAudioProductions.com. Audiobook Productions, Podcast Editing, Music for Media, Voiceovers, Song Productions, and more.